0: Now, I do not know what each and every one of you is going through. Uh, I don't know what stresses you have, what struggles you have, uh, what pains, regrets, shame, guilt you're working through. For some of you, maybe this is an ongoing journey. Some of you, maybe it's not so bad at the moment. Or maybe some of you are hitting a stride right now and things are pretty good. I do not know what's going on in your lives. I do not know what's going on inside your heart as well. But perhaps what I can speak to is how you can live and how your story can change in the future. I'm not saying it's a quick fix or like a magical uh, spell like Leviosa, but a truth that will always hold you as you hold it, even if it would feel like you have only the strength to lift a pinky. That truth, I'm going to put a spoiler alert out there now, is you and I will fall in sin throughout our lives but we will never fall out of God's hands. So how do we get to this truth? From the passage we've read, how do we land on this truth? So let's begin with point one. I got this is point one, verses 24 to 34. I got this is a saying in dictionary.com, which is a slang form for emphatically saying, um, I got this in historically black English. Uh, The typical way friends have said this to me, is when they're paying for a bill and acting pretty cool about it. <laughs> or, for example, if you know me, I've, I used to, uh, well, I still sometimes break dance for over 20 years. And so in a dance battle, um, we take turns. And sometimes when my friend thinks he's going to do a better job than me, he pushes me out the way and goes, yo, I got this, and he runs out. And this is probably what Simon Peter sounds like when we hear him speak with the Lord in verses 31 to 33. So let's set the scene. If we look in verses 24 to 34, we have a scene of grown men fighting. What are they fighting over? I'm the greatest. No, I'm the greatest, Peter. James, shut up, I'm the greatest. You've got these grown men fighting like children about who's the greatest. And the Lord teaches them the one who serves is the greatest. And then the Lord turns to Simon, And says, Simon, Simon, not Peter, the rock that God would build the church upon, but Simon, the helpless human. Satan demanded to have yous. It's the plural in Greek. He demanded to have yous, if you look at it in the footnote, meaning you and the disciples. Satan has asked for you, Peter, and the disciples, that he might sift you like wheat, sifting like wheat. But he says, but I have prayed for you, Simon, in singular. So now he's singling out Simon. That your faith may not fail. And when you, Simon, have turned again, strengthen your brothers. So having just learned the greatest is the one who who serves, what does Peter say in verse 33? Peter says to the Lord, Lord, I'm ready to go, both to prison and to death. You, I got this, Lord. And you kind of have to think to yourself, it's sort of a slap in the forehead type of moment. You, like just in the previous verses, we, we learned Peter, you know, the, the greatest is, is, is the one who serves. You know, Peter, are you listening to what the Lord is saying? And Peter's looking at the limelight saying, that's, that's me, Lord, I got this. I'm the greatest here right now. And as funny as it sounds, this can actually be quite close to what we sound like sometimes perhaps after conferences or maybe after Sundays when we have this extra amount of zeal, right? You know, we're ready to face the world. We're ready to face what tempts us. And you have this zeal and you think, you know, i got this. But what we learn from our passage is don't trust the zeal or passion as an indication of your standing with God. And even more, don't believe that your zeal means that you are a better Christian or closer to God than others because they don't look like what your expectations look like for what a good Christian looks like. And in the same vein of don't crush others with your expectations, there's also the view of don't crush yourselves. Don't crush yourself with your own expectations. Oh, I missed my daily reading today. Oh, I missed the daily prayer. I'm, I'm further from God. Just because you're not on fire today like you were yesterday, or when you were saved, or when you were at a conference, don't trust your zeal or emotions. Don't look at others um, as a measure of what a good Christian looks like. What we are simply to do, like we sang, is just to trust God. Simply trust Him and what He says in His Word. That is faith. Trusting. Faith that God gives you and I. He gives it to us. And so the Lord responds to Peter. He looks at Peter and he's got Peter, you know, beating his chest, going, I got this. And he says, verse 34, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny me three times that you know me. And That, that kind of crushes Peter, right? He just said, I got this. And Peter may be thinking, you know, even if it's today, I'm ready. I don't know why you're saying this. But we quickly find out that he wasn't ready for what was to happen that day. And so we read in verses uh, between 35 to 53, the Lord prays in agony at the prospect of the cross, and he prays for his disciples. And then Judas betrays the Lord, and he is arrested. And Peter, who had just said, I got this, realizes in verses 54 to 60, I don't got this. Which leads us to point two, I don't got this, verses 54 to 60. You know, as you probably can imagine, I don't got this means emphatically that I don't have the ability to do something. And following the same line of of Judas the betrayer, we, we see Peter also follow that line as he goes on to deny the Lord three times and immediately the rooster crowed and we can see Peter don't got this, Peter don't got this. And maybe you felt like Peter before, because as you know, Western society, this post Christendom world uh, keeps pushing or progressing forward, there will be many a time in, uh, in your life where you will feel inconvenienced by your affiliation of your faith with the Lord Jesus. Whether it be at school or, or uni or the workplace or with friends, in media, online. You know, to be affiliated with the Lord Jesus really isn't that popular, is it? Rather, your faith is up up for ridicule. It's quite often in the cartoons in the Sydney Morning Herald. uh, And in some cases, for for those uh, in certain households, it can end friendships. It can end relationships. For some people who don't subscribe to a certain set of values of a business, it can end their career to a certain extent. And you can get cancelled online. You know, have you ever felt this tension and feeling of inconvenience before when a conversation goes a certain way? It would be easier to pretend like you don't know the Lord, right? What's a little, you know, just a little denial here and there, just for the, for the bigger picture, right? For the bigger picture. Now, I'm not saying to do the opposite then, to go about out and buy like a Christian t-shirt and and wear like a Bible verse and bumper stickers. Uh, That's not what I'm saying. Don't be overwhelmingly Christian for the sake of having an external show. What we are called to be is to be innocent as doves and wise like serpents as we navigate this world and to be faithful, obedient people of God. You know, you with your faith in the Lord and his word and with the help of his people, meaning the people who are sitting with you, next to you, and also online, you can prayerfully consider together what action or words will honor Christ rather than deny him in your specific context. And you know, you won't always get it right. And you'll get caught off guard, and you'll fall in sin, and you'll feel overwhelmed at times. And it will feel like what the Lord says in verse 32. It will feel like Satan is sifting you You feel like Satan is sifting you like wheat by throwing fear, he's throwing temptation, he's throwing suffering, he's throwing guilt, shame. And he's making you feel weak. And it seems to be sometimes for us like an endless motion of sitting in this wheat sifter where Satan just won't end. And this is what John Piper calls his sifting to put people through a faithless people-sized holes, so that those who fall through, who are sifted, will be squashed. And every time you fall and stumble, it feels like there are stains on your life that can't be washed, and Satan's shaking starts to feel like it's the reality of who you are and where you are. And sometimes this shaking and this feeling of, of guilt and shame can actually feel more real than the love of God. And he seems so very far away in those moments. So what do you do? What do you do when you've been sifted? What hope do you have when you feel like life is this endless sifting of Satan shaking you with dark thoughts, temptations pointing at your guilt when you fall in sin? And he says, see, you don't follow Jesus. I just sifted you and squashed you. You're not his. You're not affiliated with him. You're not even connected to him. What faith binds you together with him? Just give up. Where's your zeal now? Where's your I got this? And it leads to point three. Point three, Lord, I need you. I know. I got you. Now go. Verses 61 to 62. So what happens after you fall and you feel like you're being sifted and shook by Satan himself? It looks like and sounds like verses 60 to 62. The rooster crowed. Oh man. The rooster crowed. The Lord looks at you. And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. And Peter remembers what the Lord says. How he had said to him before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out. Peter and his reputation fell hard and to make the guilt even heavier the Lord turns and he looks at him the second he denied him can you imagine what's going through Peter's mind when when he sees the Lord the rooster's crying and the Lord looks at him betrayal and Peter remembers the Lord's warning that he would betray, betray him Peter was overwhelmed by remorse and so he fled outside where he wept bitter tears. Tears for his sin, tears for his weakness, tears for his guilt, pride, and shame of falling so greatly in sin. And this point right here where he's on the ground is where we must remember verse 32. At his weakest, at his weakest, the same way you and I must remember verse 32. It reads, the Lord says, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, because you and I will fall backwards in a way that will seem like, not has, but seem like it will disqualify your affiliation to him and that Satan has devoured your faith. When you have turned again, strengthen your brothers and sisters. Now what does it mean that the Lord has prayed for you? What power does it have What does that do for your faith that you may not fail? Well, if we look in the Bible, we actually have the words that the Lord prayed to the Father in in John 17. Verse 1, he lifted up his eyes to heaven. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. Then verses 9 to 11, I am praying for them, meaning God's people, meaning you and me. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are also yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I'm glorified in them. God is glorified in us. Well, we know what, that the, the, the Lord hears our prayers. So what happens when the Lord himself, who is perfectly aligned to the will of God, prays to the Father for your faith that you may not fail? What happens then? Your faith will not fail. Why? Why? We learned last week, who are you again? You are a child of God. So if the Father who loves you and cannot keep his eyes off you, because you are in Christ by the faith he gives, and Christ is also praying for your faith, even right now, it says in Hebrews 7.25, Christ is able to save completely at all times those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession, or He's praying for us. So your faith will not fail. Can you hear his prayer for you? Father, I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine. I'm glorified in them, in people like Peter who fall. There will be many times where you will not feel like his child. So when Satan comes knocking at your door and says, you're not his child, look at the sin and mess your sin has caused you're not his child. Look at your great fall and you still call him your God? What will you say? What will you do? Pastor and author Brian Chappell shares this advice. He says, when Satan comes to accuse you, what do you do? You take him by the hand and you go for a walk together and you walk to a hill called Calvary And you point to the cross and you say, does my God not love me? Does my God not love me? And with the faith that cannot fail because your Lord who gives it to you did not and will not fail you, you will repent or turn again just like Peter did. You will arise again. You will turn from sin and turn towards your Lord who says to you, if you're still doubting right now. John 27.30 says, He speaks as your good shepherd here, who keeps us safe. He says, my sheep, you and me, hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish or fail. And no one, not Satan who's sifting you, not someone who's going to cancel you, will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. Not even Satan. I and the Father are one. So if the Father loves you so, know that the Lord loves you so. He will not fail. And so your faith will not fail. When you go to the Lord and confess, I don't got this, and you say, I need you, he will say, I know got you. I forgive you. and I'm going to restore you. Now go. Now go is the last part in verse 32. He says, when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers and sisters. So can you guess who stands up to defend the faith in Acts chapter 2? It's our boy Peter. Peter stands up as the once broken but now ready leader who strengthens the other disciples. He says in Acts 2.14, but Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed the crowd, questioning the wonder of the Holy Spirit, filling his people. Peter's not hiding anymore. He's not inconvenienced by the affiliation with his Lord. And the result was that he strengthened God's people. And that means, so can you. You can strengthen God's people. You know, it will look different in our context, won't it? It will look different from that time. And our situations are very particular as well. But know this. When you fall greatly, when you fall greatly, but confess and turn to your Lord and realize you need Him, His forgiveness and restoration regularly, you will know He always has you. And as you rise out of the ashes in faith, He will use you and He will also use your sin or painful past or struggle that you've now trusted to the Lord to strengthen your brothers and sisters. You know, have you ever wondered why people share testimonies? Have you ever wondered why people share testimonies? To say, I was once lost in sin But God, by his grace in Christ, saved me, and now I follow him. What's the result when somebody shares a testimony? God's people are strengthened. The lifelong walk of the Christian is a life that is not self-reliant, because you will fall again and again and again, but it is a life of reliance that God will forgive and forgive and save and say time and time again, get up. You're mine, you're mine, you're mine. You know, for those who have a kid, I think you know that if the kid falls on the second step, you go, come on, man. You know, I, you're not my kid. Who is this? No, you, you lift them up again and say, let's keep going, let's keep going, let's keep going. <laughs> Maybe I'm, I'm doing that now. <laughs> <with my kid>. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but you'll fall time and time again, and God says, you're mine. God's people, when God lifts them up, will remember, that, that's my God. That's my God. Why? Because he has prayed for you. And the Father and the Son hold you tight so your faith will not fail and the Spirit gives you faith. What this means for us is that no matter how low you may have fallen, you again can stand in the Lord Jesus' power to hold you. You can turn again and the Lord Jesus, full of grace, risen from the dead, who is now praying for you, taking you when it feels like you have nothing to offer, when you feel like you've ruined your chances, he says to you, hey, I got you. I got you. I can use you. Now go and strengthen your brothers and sisters. So let me end with a testimony. Uh, when I was first saved, which was about 10, 11 Years ago now, a lot of, I, I know some of you guys were around at New Life then. Uh, ten other guys around me uh, also became Christian. Um, well, at least they confessed their faith. And over the years, people fell away. I think if we look back on those times for some months, we know people who have fallen away. Um, but out of the ten, one guy stayed. One guy stayed. Not the guy who showed zeal? Or the guy who who cried and and confessed? Or the guy who was gifted as a praise leader? Or the guy who had a large following online? It was actually the guy who had autism and he was on the spectrum. You know, I still remember meeting him for the first time at church. He he was wearing gardening gloves for some reason. And uh, when I said hi to him, he just kind of did a fish (laughs) flop of a handshake uh, and then decided to sit in the corner for the next few weeks. He just sat in the corner during service. That's what he did. Um, and after a few weeks of sitting in the corner, I noticed him drawing during service. He started drawing. Um, you see he had two loves. One was basketball and the other was drawing. And he had complex, this complex style of scribbling um, that was very dark at the time. It was just a lot of black and red bio, and I remember taking a, a young child Uh, with me to have a look at what he'd been drawing. And it scared the child because it was that confronting. That was the sort of darkness that was inside him. But that was what he was communicating. And so in the following weeks, I noticed he had stopped bringing the gardening gloves and that he had scars on his hands. It was his way of communicating that he was hurting inside. He had been cutting himself. And as the weeks went by, the scars started to fade. And the pictures started to change. And his Bible started to look more ragged and worn. And he started bringing color pencils. And he started to draw nature. And the virus disappeared. And he started sitting with us in service. And then one day, during service, during the the sermon, he stood up and he grabs me and goes, I've got something to say. And I said, how about we, uh, we'll let you talk after the service, yeah? And so he's waiting and the preacher's preaching, but he's just sitting there like this, right? So it must have been kind of pretty off-putting. And so this, the sermon ends and I walk up to the, to the minister and preach that day. And said, is it all right if um, our brother comes up and says something? He just wants to tell something to to everyone. And so he comes up, and he grabs the mic. Now, not many of us had really heard his voice until that point. That's how sort of secluded he was. And he grabs the mic, and he says, Guys, I love basketball. (laughs) And everyone goes, right. But you know what? I love God more. And basketball is trash, because God is good. And that's when we knew God had been speaking to him through his word in ways that I couldn't have or anyone else could have had. And what happened when God turned him? Everyone in the room was strengthened. Everyone in the room was strengthened at the amazing things that God did through our friend. So because... God does amazing things through little people like us. Can I encourage you this morning? Because you are in the Lord, your faith will not fail today. It won't fail tomorrow and every day till we see our Lord. And when we do fall, turn to him in confession and repentance. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers and sisters by sharing his wonderful works in your life. Let's pray. Father, we we do thank you that you lift us up when sin and Satan and our inability to believe you muddies our ability to see you. Father, we're praying that you would help our unbelief. And we praise you and thank you that it isn't because of our ability to trust you, but your ability to hold us and turn us to you, that we are yours and that we are always yours. And so, Lord, remind us every day when we wake and when we go to sleep and even during our sleep, that we are yours, and so that when we do fall, restore us, turn us to you, and cause us to strengthen your people and cause others to trust in you. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.